Mira la izquierda. Mira la derecha. ¿Qué ves? ¿Dónde estás? In a world that seems to change daily, what will you do next? Welcome to the Next Steps Show with Peter Vesquez and co-host Aisha Kreutz. A starting point for discussion y un poco de dirección. Buenas tardes, ladies and gentlemen, señoras y señores, hermanos y hermanas, ¿cómo están? Si soy yo, tú, conservative New Yorker, aquí, and the WYSL Studios, y hoy sí, it's been a little while, we've had el señor Voice of Liberty con nosotros. ¿Qué tal, señor Voice of Liberty? Howdy doodles. En español, hermano, en español. No, I forgot. <laughs> If, you know, I've, I've just got, let's see, it's... See, I was expecting the student to exceed the master by now. No. Or the teacher, not the master. No. Excuse me, poor no. choice of words. I'm very forgetful. I'm not Joe Biden, but I'm, you know, getting there. <laughs> it, it would be estoy bien. Estoy bien. Estoy bien. Estoy bien. Ladies and gentlemen, if you learned something today or want to learn something today, give us a call and I'll teach you a little Spanish. 585-346-3000. En español, 343 Tres, cero, cero, cero. Sounded like a commercial, huh? Huh? It did. See, I'm going to yeah. have to build YSL. Just kidding. 585. 585, see? And when, when you call, make sure that you have a major credit card ready so that yeah. we can <laughs> build your or, or make the checkout to nextstepshow.com. Send it to WYSL. Tell them you want to sponsor us for the next 10 years. Nobody would be offended by that. No. Hey, least, least of all us. The, the voice that you're hearing here that's not the voice of liberty or my voice, right? Your, your, your conservative New Yorican is actually a guy that you've heard here before recently. It is El Señor. Actually, let's forget about El Señor. It is El Honable. Did I say that right? The Honorable. Señor Luis Martinez. He's really drilling down. No, the, the buenas tardes, amigos y amigas, caballeros, señoras, y todos que están en, este, en esta onda. I, we are here to uh, chat and uh, maybe learn something from each other. So we welcome your calls. We welcome your feedback. And um, so we hope to hear from you. Ladies and gentlemen, did you know that as of 2021, an estimated 2.4 million Hispanics of Cuban origin live in the United States, making up about 4% of the U.S. Hispanic population? That's according to the Pew Research Center. So I have to wonder, are you one of those 2.4 million Hispanics? <laughs> yeah, no, I'll have to tell you that. Back in 2016, I was very happy to see two Cuban-Americans that actually were candidates, they're, they're, they're both senators, and actually they're candidates for uh, the presidency back in 16, and that's um, uh, Ted Cruz and Mar Marco Rubio. So those are Cuban-Americans. So when you think about the odds of that, what are the odds that two Cuban-Americans would end up in the U.S. Senate? It's, it's pretty remarkable that, uh, that we got that far. Well, at 4% of the U.S. population, that's, uh, yeah. I mean, that's significant. Yeah. I mean... Uh, Yeah, that's pretty significant. So, you know, I want to talk a little bit about immigration today, if we can, because um, you you, you kind of came from a place that a lot of people are trying to leave. So, for example, uh, in just recent years, a record-breaking number of Cuban migrants have been, you know, have been caught at the border. Mm -hmm. um, it's like 425,000. Well, I didn't realize it was way that large. I mean, that's, that's like 10 times what I would expect. But uh, it's... The situation in Cuba is so dire that, that you, can't, you just can't imagine uh, how a, a nation was brought to its knees and below at, 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 in, in, in only 60 years from 1959 to present. And it's just – and it's not getting any better. 
it's getting worse because if you, I, some of the uh, listeners here may have traveled to Cuba to see the old cars and all that kind of stuff, but they will not let you see what you would see. I'll give you just one story, and I got thousands. One story. I was in Miami or in a business conference, and this lady uh, and I were chatting. It turns out that she was Dutch who had become a Canadian citizen, and she had traveled to Cuba with her husband. And what she said was she was going to do something different. She was not going to go to the uh, the high-class uh, hotels and all that. She said she was going to buy or rent or, or get a hold of bicycles, two bicycles down there, and she was going to bicycle into the interior of Cuba, you know, unattended by any, uh, any of the uh, Gestapo around there, and she was going to just see the island on her own. Well, she didn't get very far because she discovered there, was, there were two things that she could not find once she left any kind of civilization. One was food, not even bananas hanging on a tree, and the other one was potable water. So she was she, – her, her hopes were dashed. Her trip was canceled. She had to turn around and go home because she could not find potable water and uh, or fruit. She said, how can there be no fruit in a tropical nation? And that's because the government owns everything, everything. Remember, you, you've heard from the WF, you will own nothing and be happy? Well, that's Cuba. They own nothing and they're grossly unhappy. You sent me an article this morning, uh, mm-hmm. which, which was revealing. Um, the title of it is How Russia Recruits Soldiers from Cuba to Fight in Ukraine. Um, but they have a picture up front in, in the caption, and it says, it gives a name. And then it says, uh, they sent this photo. Um, so the gentleman that left Cuba right. to fight in this war, right. uh, it says he... It, he sent it to his wife. So they left Cuba mm-hmm. to go fight in the in, in, in the Russian army yes. against Ukraine yes. because they're hungry. Exactly. And that was they're, the only way yeah. to feed their family. Thank you. Yeah, they're, they're mercenaries, meaning that they're risking their life fighting for a – not for a cause but for money uh, in another continent. It's just – it's just inconceivable that men would, would have to do that just to uh, if they can stay alive so that they can send some money back home or to bring some money back you know, when they're done with their assignment, if there's such a thing, if they don't die in the process. But that's a, that's a front-page Wall Street Journal article today. Uh, I saw the headline. I printed it, and I ran over here. I have not read the article, but I know the background. Here's the background. When you graduate, for example, and I'll give you – remind me to come back to my cousin Alejandro, who's, who's now a physician. My cousin Alejandro, I'll tell you that story later. But the point is that when you graduate from, from college in, in Havana or in Cuba, you are still a ward of the state. You're a slave to their whims. The, you, you cannot just go about, well, I'm going to set up a shop or I'm going to set up a business or I'm going to go into private practice. None of the above. You belong to the government, and the government, if you're, if you're skilled enough, the government who owns you will ship you off to another country, to Uganda, to Venezuela, to, to Argentina, to Russia, and the government will earn money on your skill, on your work, on your labor. That's called slavery. Yep. So, in, so that's why so many people escape the so-called paradise of Cuba because it's, it's utter slavery. So these guys, you could argue, well, they're there on their own merit. Maybe they are, but they're also there because they, they're obligated to be, especially if they're skilled they're in, in, in whatever form, as engineers, as, as, as physicians, or, or, or any, any of the, the highly coveted skills, they are sold as slave labor to other nations in, uh, for revenue because you got to understand Cuba doesn't do anything, doesn't create any wealth. They, what little they have, they have distributed among themselves. So what wealth do they have in Cuba? A little tourism. 
Hmm. And it's not what it used to be anymore because people are finding out what a deception it is. Yeah, remind me, is the border open? Can we can we go there now? As well, Americans? you can go. You can go. I mean, I have uh, when I was doing the show last time, there, I had a friend from from Philadelphia who was there with his family. He's looking around, but uh, you know, you go around, you take enough pictures of nineteen fifty seven Chevys, and now what? They don't come back because now that they've seen it, there's not. So, for example, I was talking to my other cousin, actually the brother of of uh, Alejandro uh, Ernest, <laughs> Ernesto. Uh, was in the Dominican, in the Dominican Republic. And he said that they now have, I think the number he quoted on a text was 10 million annual visitors. Okay? I'll just say 10 million for them. Cuba used to have 6 million decades ago. 60 years ago, they used to have 6 million visitors. Now they have just a trickle of people. So they can't even make money doing that. And they have nothing to export. I'll, I'll get back more deeply into the exports from Cuba in a little while. You know that article? Uh, real quick, just his wife says in that article, she says Cubans are cannon fodder and they will they will kill them all, yep. and and the families are bar- apparently being paid two thousand uh, dollars, salaries of two thousand um, dollars, where an average monthly salary. So so the families apparently are making an average of twenty dollars a month in a monthly salary yep. in Cuba. Yep. So when Russian uh, uh, Russia's out there recruiting, they're yes. offering two thousand dollars exactly. a family. So in addition to that, you're saying that the and I have to assume there is a partnership with the government oh, course, yeah. uh, in order for them yeah, to do this because the government wants the government. to cut. Great. There's nothing that happens in Cuba without the government being involved. There's just not no such thing. You belong to the state. That's hmm. communism with a That's small crazy. c. Okay, communism with a small c is that you are not you have no agency whatsoever for your for your for your life. The the central elite owns you. And they are not apologizing for it. You have no fundamental in, in individual rights. You belong to the government. So that's all they do. Wow, that's too They, rent, they literally too rent bad. you out, and they can, and they do it, and that's why they live the way they do. Hmm. But yet they claim to have the best health, the best health care system. Oh, we'll come back to that. In the, you we'll know, in the world, so I'll absolutely. You, I'll tell you, it, it, yes, I'll, we'll come back to that. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to your conservative New Yorican, y aquí tenemos al señor Luis Martinez, al honorable Luis Martinez, con la voz de libertad. Mira, don't go nowhere. Regresamos in just a moment or two. And this show brought to you proudly by Ryan Murphy Associates, residential and commercial real estate appraisal services. Give them a call and tell them WYSL sent you. We'll be right back. In the Rochester and Finger Lakes region, one name stands above all others for real estate appraisal and advice. Ryan Murphy and Associates. This full-service real estate appraisal company can appraise and advise on purchase and sales decisions, mortgage finance feasibility, estate, matrimonial, partnership buyouts, litigation, and more for any type of property, both residential and commercial. Ryan Murphy was founded almost 40 years ago. All of our highly trained staff members have at least 20 years of experience. All our appraisers are either New York State certified general or residential real estate appraisers. Ryan Murphy and Associates. Start here. RYNNEMurphy.com. Youth for Christ Rochester needs to grow. Our kids are telling us they don't feel safe in their neighborhoods or rec centers, and they're asking us to be open more. And thanks to your support, we will. We're adding a weeknight and Saturday mornings to our basketball program. We're adding a second Arts Academy Friday night. And we're adding a second P31 girls class on Saturdays. But we need your help. $25 per month funds a kid for a year. Give your best gift to yfcrochester.org slash donate. 
Advertising on the WYSL stations is both affordable and effective, but it's so much more than that. When your business or professional practice has a presence on the voice of liberty, you connect with a patriotic, awake, and aware audience that cares about society, our families, our schools, our values, and our future. And our listeners appreciate you and respond. We can end the madness together. For truth and freedom, the WYSL stations, the voice of liberty. Call 346-3000 to advertise today. Peter Vasquez and Next Step Show on the WYSL stations. Welcome back to the Next Step Show. Hey, did you know that over two-thirds of Cubans in the U.S. or 68% live in Florida, followed by a notable population in New Jersey of 81,000, New York 78,000, California 74,000, and in Texas 34,000. Keith, thank you for calling the Next Step Show, sir. Yes, to the guest, I want to make a comparison and ask a question. Barack Obama betrayed the Iranian people by siding with the mullahs. I've never understood why an American president would do that. The Iranian people, like the Cuban people, are yearning for freedom. Why, after 65 years since Castro and the commies took over in 1959, That long, six and a half decades, we've not been able to reclaim the island of Cuba, that very good country, because the Cuban people are very good, they are. Why is communism still ruling that island? I've never understood that, even factoring in the disastrous Bay of Pigs debacle in 1961. Why have we not made concerted effort to take the island and give Cuban people their freedom? Well, I I don't know the exact answer, but I can tell you that organically it's not going to happen. You have no idea how much everyone is controlled in Cuba. In Cuba, so let me start from the the inside out because the question you asked is from the outside in, and and, uh, we could speculate about that, but I, I, I can tell you for a fact. This was the case while I was a little boy in Cuba still, and I could see it. When, when the Cuban government, when Castro's government won, they established spy networks in every neighborhood. They're called the Committees for the Defense of the Revolution, El Comité para la Defensa de la Revolución. The CDRs were basically, think about on your street or on your block or anywhere uh, where, where you live, think about the person who is most in favor of whoever the president is at that, you know, here in the, at that point, doesn't matter who it is. But imagine that that family, that person, has the rights, the obligation, the responsibility to spy on you. This is not a quirk thing. I mean, this is an obligation. It's their job. And they, 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 the way they're favored is with favors, you know, with, with privileges that you don't get because you're not in the Committee for the Defense Revolution. So they would, they would spy on you. They would ask you, where are you going in your car? Uh, who did you bring to your house? Uh, they can literally walk in and see what, what magazines you're reading. They have controlled Cuba since I was there, so since I was 12 years old. So the point is that that organically nothing is going to happen in Cuba from the bottom up, so to speak, from the inside out, because those people are spied on day and night. Now, as to the other question, why doesn't the American uh, you know, government uh, do something about that? The fiasco, you already mentioned it, the fiasco, the uh, Bay of Pigs invasion was a horrible disaster, and it's when Kennedy – uh, author, or at least the CIA authorized the invasion, so-called invasion, and they thought that the Cuban people would rise up, but they couldn't rise up. I was there when that happened in, in, in the, the Bay of Pigs. I actually wrote an article about that. 
And the point is that they, the Cubans couldn't do anything. They started incarcerating people left and right, even my own neighborhood. There was no organic support because they couldn't su support. People didn't have guns, you know, to go do anything with it. The government had all the guns, and that's another whole topic. And uh, the point is that Kennedy, in the last minute, pulled back the air support that they that the uh, people on the beach the. Uh, uh, they, and they also went into a swamp instead of a beach for the invasion, which is really stupid. But they, the the air support was called back. And I once met a, a pilot. I actually met a Navy pilot who was on that mission who was called back to the carrier. I couldn't believe it. I, I, you know, so that's what happened in 61. I was there. Wow. Keith? Uh, my final question. The Cubans who fled Castro, like all of us, are aging. Are younger Cubans maintaining their uh, Republican uh, background and so far as what uh, their parents and grandparents brought them up or like all groups who unfortunately uh, are leaning more lefty, are we losing these younger Cubans or are they maintaining the faith in being good, solid, conservative, patriotic America? I, I think, well, I can tell you in my family, which is now four generations deep, the entire family, uh, uh, when we met for, it was actually two years ago, we met for a, a family reunion because my mother had died. Um, I saw a lot of support for conservative causes and um, from even people who were like grandchildren to me. Um, and uh, so I saw I was encouraged by that, to be honest with you. But that's just my family. And and uh, ironically, my aunt and uncle, I can show you photographs, were rebels with Castro in in uh, in the in the revolution. Uh, my uncle Rene and my my his sister, uh, Edita, were rebels with Castro. They won the war, literally. And and uh, but from that part of the family, my mother's side, uh, we now have conservative, a lot of conservatives uh, who are. Uh, one or two generations uh, younger. Interesting. Well, in closing, hopefully uh, Cuba can uh, someday. I'm just amazed that uh, the island uh, that close to us remains commie, and I, I've just uh, yeah. never understood uh, why, why we can't take it back. It's well, we would have to large. do a lot. We would have to do a lot of things very complicated. We can't just throw a bunch of uh, men on the beach and and hope it works. That that's not going to work. Bye. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Keith. Thank you. Can I just ask a follow-on question here, Louise? Uh, if we wanted, if we wanted to have normal relations, well, there we go. Uh, normal relations again with Cuba, uh, like like we did maybe back in the fifties, with hopefully a little less corruption at either country. Uh, what we, what do we do about the, the the sentiment that I've heard that so many people in Cuba are anti-American? They're anti-USA. Is that is that because of propaganda? Well, it's totally, yeah, it's totally propaganda. I mean, there's there, you're never gonna get you're never gonna get um, a you know straight answer from a Cuban government. Just like in China, you're not gonna get anything. Uh, but or or North Korea, it's just the same. Soviet Union in its day, Hamas. even Russia in its day. I'm sorry. Or Hamas, right? Or Hamas. So it's it's uh, it, the children who know anything have learned it directly from their parents because from the social media, excuse me, from the uh, from the government media, they're never going to learn anything. So then everything is subterfuge. And so everything has to be, uh, you know, that kind of um, a, an approach that, that uh, they, the only way that they would learn anything from relatives in Miami, that kind of a thing. If you can think about, if you can communicate with relatives in Miami, you can do. I, I remember my, my parents writing sort of encode letters to my, to my cousins when they were still there and so forth. Wonderful. Mike, thank you for calling the Next Step Show, sir. Hi. Got a question for your guest. Um, 
Um, during the Obama administration, he uh, rescinded the, the wet foot, dry foot policy. Yes. Okay. Um, and I was kind of surprised that uh, I believe Trump never reinstated it. Is that correct? I, I don't know if I, I remember when Obama abolished it. And I don't recall the details about what happened during the Trump administration. Can we explain what that is? Yes, thank the you. The wet foot. If if in there was a is an uprising agreement that if any Cuban coming over on a raft or on a boat or in any other uh, across the ocean from you know from Cuba to say Florida mostly, if they arrived and they actually reached the beach, and now they're on dry land. They could get to stay as as asylum seekers because they're escaping a communist government. That was the understanding, and that was the policy of, say, the border patrol in those days until Obama abolished it. And I remember distinctly, there was a group of Cubans. Uh, I remember the photograph who found their way to a um, to a uh, a bridge over water, and they got out of their boat and they're climbing a ladder on the pontoon of the bridge of this physical bridge for cars and the coast guard picked him up and put him back and sent him back to cuba because they felt they the they they were hanging onto the pole of the bridge but they were not on the beach and they were sent back so that was the policy long ago and i've lost track uh uh mike on to your question i've lost track of that particular uh, uh situation but but i understand what you're talking about and that's that was the the way we uh, we used to operate mike you have anything I, else i i I, I believe that's still in effect now because um, I've seen some news articles where some of the Cubans have been trying to come through the, the, our southern border. And out of all, anybody who's coming through, I believe the Cubans have a, a legitimate right. They are fleeing oppression right. compared to these other um, um, economic migrants. Right. And they've been being turned away. Correct. At the southern border. They they are they're being turned away and I can speculate that it's because they don't vote the way the the current administration would like them to vote. I'll just say that. Do I have proof of that? No, I don't. But I actually I did see a couple of headlines, Mike. I just didn't bring them with me. I saw a couple of headlines and I printed some articles on that very topic about why are Cubans and and some Venezuelans being turned away, but I didn't uh, I didn't bring them with me. So maybe I owe you that that question that answer. Uh, at a future date. And, and Mike, thanks for the call. I truly appreciate it. Those were great questions. Luis, I, I want to follow up on that because I, and, and that was one of my questions I was going to ask okay. you, so I'm glad he asked. The Cuban Adjustment Act of 1966, is that wet foot, dry foot policy part of that? Or... I, I don't know the answer to that. Uh, uh, Peter's coming up with some good stuff here. And, I, oh, no, no, right. and I'm but, flunking the test, amigo. Oh, man. No, well, okay, can I ask you one more? About oh, sure. what, there's there's okay. an organization. I, I, you know, how old were you in 66 anyway? But go ahead. I, I, I don't even think my parents were considering me. Okay, Actually, sorry. I'm sure of it because uh, I was the mistake I, if we remember that I'm conversation. I'm not going to ask anymore. Okay, go. The, the, a Cuban-American national foundation that plays mm-hmm. a substantial role in politics and influencing mm-hmm. politics okay. in the United States. Can you speak? to that no 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 that's okay (laughs) i know i know my boundaries and i stick with uh, what i know yeah all right so then let's go right into the politics of things because mike brought up a good point that or you you know your response to him also brought up a good point the the uh cubans traditionally side on the more conservative values would normally vote conservative or republican however in my research for the for today's show i found that there's a significant uh, shift from from that mentality, Mao more towards voting Democrats. 
Uh, again, I don't have data to support either side of that, but what I do know this just in, intuitively because, you know, I hang out with uh, Hispanics, right? So we tend to be more conservative. We tend to be faith-based. We, we all believe in God. Uh, most of us are Catholic, although I happen to be, I, I was educated in a Methodist American school in Havana, but, but basically the rest of my family is Catholic. And there's nothing wrong with that. The point is that we have principles. We have faith. We believe in right and wrong. We believe in, in heaven and hell. We believe in, in uh, righteousness and sin. And those principles, however you apply the details, they, are, they make a difference in governance. Absolutely. And the thing is, Cubans, like every Hispanic that I know, including myself, believe first God, country, family. That drives us exactly. from the day we were born exactly. to the day we die. Ladies yeah. and gentlemen, you're listening to your conservative New Yorican, aquí on the WYSL stations. Don't you dare change that dial because we got more for you coming from Cuba. 585-346-3000. The lines are open. Join the conversation. Peter Vasquez and Next Step Show on the WYSL stations. Hey, hey, Bob, can you let that just go a little longer here? I can. Should I sing? If you want. <laughs> hey, Alyssa Demo, if you're listening to this baby girl, this song is for you. You know, my daughter and I, we used to get up on Saturday mornings and I'd blast this song and she'd come running down oh and insist oh that gosh. I dance with her. Oh, that's beautiful. Appreciate it, sir. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Next Step Show. Aquí con tu New Yorkian conservativo, we still have the Honorable Luis Martinez, a guy with a story that truly defines what it means to seek your American dream. A guy who can show you and live what it means to take down barriers. So when you're being told that porque tú eres hispano or black or whatever the case may be, your skin color, and you can't do more... Look at their face and say, Belarki, because I know the New Yorican Conservativo and the Señor Luis Martinez did it, which means I can do it, ladies and gentlemen. 346 3000. Malarkey, I want to hear that, from you. Is Malarkey a, a Latina term? That's Belarki with a B. Oh, Bilarkey. <laughs> Bilarkey. <laughs> That, that's one that's of a new one. that's the the Peter Yang. funny English kind of stuff. But I like it because you know you can't say bad things, bad words, and it's negative. But Balarki has a positive spin to it. It's Spanglish, but the ish in there is Irish. There you <laughs> go, Malarkey. No one can accuse me of not being sensitive of other people's. Hey, Luis, I got a question for you. Yeah. How, how many countries in the world has Hispanics? How would I know? <laughs> I don't know that one either. Really? Bob, I know. Bob knows. Oh, Bob knows. Okay, lay, lay it on me. For, for, for the grand prize of absolutely nothing, sir, what's the answer? One. One. One country in the world has Hispanics. The Spain, is that what you mean? No, Spain has Spaniards. Oh, the United States of America. Exactly. Yeah, that's right. I remember reading that somewhere. I don't claim to have a, an answer to that. Let me, let me uh, the, uh, the previous caller mentioned Barack Obama and, and his... Uh, 
attitude about Cuba. It's Barack I'll read you. Hussein Obama. Just Thank you very much, Barack Hussein Obama. Like Rush Limbaugh, let me, Hussein let, Obama. Yeah, but let me tell you something he actually said, okay? And he said, uh, while he was still in office and he was trying to open a door to Cuba, he said this. In the United States, we have a clear monument to what the Cuban people can build, and it's called Miami. And if you want to understand the significance of that and the context of that, you would have to look at photographs of Miami in the early to mid-50s before the Cuban um, exodus uh, in, into Miami and look at the before and after. And a lot of the things that happened that uh, grew up in Miami was during the, uh, the 70s and 80s and well into the 90s, which now you have re- are reflected in, in just in the, the architecture. But so he said that. And I want to tell you a story, though. Uh, hang uh, on, though. Yeah, we go got, ahead. We go got ahead. Elvis on the line who Elvis. has a question for us. All right, sir. Did I say that incorrectly? I think it's El- Elvis in Canadagua. Elvis, you're on yep. the air. What do you got? Yes. Uh, good afternoon, gentlemen. Uh, my question, or, or I guess it was a, a situation. I was on an airplane sitting, sitting in the exit row, and the other, you know, five seats in the exit rows, you know, we're all pilots uh, flying on American Airlines. And, you know, just knowing that the pilots can fly anywhere in the world, I took a couple pieces of paper and ripped them up and handed them. And, you know, they each, I asked them, where where would you travel, you know, given the opportunity you can fly anywhere in the world? And to an individual, they all wrote Cuba. Wow. Uh, they said you can fly out of Toronto. And this is just, you know, my experience in, in listening to the show. Uh, I'm hearing something very different. Right. So I, of course, I thank you for that, uh, for that, you know, uh, story, because it's really remarkable, to be honest with you. And you heard some of what I said already. Hang on, Louise. For oh. a second. Elvis, why do you think that was? Why did they write okay. Cuba on, it, on those papers? Because, uh, but of course, I, you know, I, you know, I followed it up because I didn't even know, you know, as, as Americans that we could travel to Cuba. But they said, you just have to go up to Toronto and fly out of Toronto. And then I asked them, you know, it, you know, we got into a conversation and they just said it was extremely safe. Um, you know, it was extremely safe, relatively inexpensive. And they said the beaches were absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, we'll start with the first with the third one, which is the beaches are absolutely gorgeous. That's that's absolutely true. And uh, now it's a safe. Yeah, because the government owns everything. And the, and there's no there may be, you know, a pickpocket now and then or someone that, that cheats you out of uh, change or something. But there's not going to be the kind of violence and um, and criminality that that exists right here in Rochester, let alone in, in Havana. So uh, or, or in other places. So the point is that it is safe. That is true. And I'm hearing some, frankly, uh, unfortunately, some. Some, some bad news from other island uh, nations now that rely on tourism where the, the, the news are not, not very good about that. So it is true. Now, the problem is that it, the, they, they can say that and it works for them because, A, they have money, and, B, they can stay in the secluded areas that are owned by the government. So, for example, let's say that, just to make it up, that the Hilton wants to build a hotel in, 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 on a beach in, in, in Havana or in Cuba. Well, the government owns the land. The government uh, allows you to build that building there, and the government takes most of the profits out of it, so then it gives you what's left. And that's even if you're Hilton, uh, whatever brand uh, you want to name, because the government controls everything, and they control the employees. The employees are not your employees. They're the government's employees at that allowed to work in that building and they control all their wages it is really something you've never heard or seen unless you are on the ground there and you and you perceive it so did i answer your question sir yeah you answered the question and the way they put it was 
their their belief was the reason there is no crime because you know you commit a crime in Cuba and you're dealt with accordingly. Exactly. Um, whereas yeah. you know in like the DR or a lot of other places, they said, you know, it's 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 getting a little difficult, yep. you know, to get down and enjoy the beaches. Yep. You know, and and again, this is you know I'm I, you know I trust you. You're you know you're much more familiar with the situation than I am. I was just I found right. it interesting that you know. I think it was like four or five pilots all to right. a person yeah. wrote down Cuba. Well, it's, it's still an exotic. Of, yeah, I mean, it, it's still a very exotic place right here, you know, 90 miles from from uh, from Key West. So it, it's it's very close. I just looked up and I have a picture of it. I'll bring it up in the next break. I have a photograph of a, a pamphlet that was popular in the 19, I'll say, 58, 59, 60, where you could fly from, from Havana to Miami for $10 round trip. And you could literally have lunch for $10 and, of course, $10 in those days, you know, uh, round trip. And you could do that because that, that's how close they are. You could go to Havana for lunch or you could go to Miami for lunch, you know. Um, and and that's that was the, the way of life back then. Um, so it, it's uh, – the, the only thing is I've never been back on purpose. I just refuse to, to um, support – with my dollars, my hard-earned dollars, a government that oppresses the people the way they do. Like I said, even if I stay in a fancy restaurant or, excuse me, in a fancy hotel, the people who work there don't work for the hotel. They work for the government, literally, and they have their wages uh, tied by the government before they get receive any of it. It's just theft. It's grand theft on a, on a scale that you've never conceived. Wow. Elvis, thank you so much for your call. Ladies and gentlemen, 346-3000. Keep them calls coming. Let's ask him more questions that he has to say. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I like those questions. It makes me just do some more homework. That's all. Well, Thanks. it reminds me of, uh, you know, they said that uh, Nazi Germany was very orderly. Mm-hmm. There, was no, there was no civil unrest whatsoever. Right. And uh, so the first thing that Castro did when he took over uh, in Cuba was, I remember, I remember as a child listening to that to that um, discourse, the discurso that they used to do, that that um, talk that he gave. And he said, armas para qué? Weapons for what? In other words, you don't need those weapons. So people literally turned in all their weapons, okay? That was the, the famous, um, uh, you know, uh, speaking engagement he did where he said, armas para qué? I remember that like it was yesterday. So let me tell you this this story that it, it's kind of a cute story, but it, it shows principles. We talked in the previous session about principles. So uh, this is when I was, uh, I just finished grad school and I got a job in Wilmington, Delaware. I was working in the public schools and uh, we had a summer um, internship where we had to go to the, to these classes. So we're in this classroom and there's, there's, uh, there's people that I don't know, they're teachers in, in, you know, in Wilmington public schools. And then they had a, of course they had a consultant. The consultant says, now we're going to ask each of you to go out one at a time to the hallway and uh, and then when you get to the hallway, our the other consultant will tell you what to do. So, you know, each one of us got called and we got in the hallway. So when it was my turn to go out in the hallway, uh, I'm in the hallway and there's all these teachers on one end of the hallway. And there's another guy standing on my end of the hallway. And the consultant says to me, he says, I want you to bunny hop down the hall. And I said, why? And he said, you stand over there. So I'm standing now next to the other guy. OK, so there's just two men. We're standing there, and everybody that comes out the door, the consultant says, I want you to bunny hop down the hall, and that person bunny hops down the hall. And everybody, the room was emptied, and everybody bunny hopped down the hall except that guy and me. Turns out that guy is Willie Miranda Jr. Now, those of you old enough to remember who Willie Miranda was in the Baltimore Orioles, 
that was his son that I was talking to. So Willie Miranda used to be a, a, a Cuban baseball player in the Baltimore Orioles back in the 50s. And that was his son, who is my age. And so my, my, my uh, new friend, Willie Miranda Jr., and me were the only two people who asked, why do you want me to, to bunny hop down the hall? That principle, ask why, question authority, that is not forbidden in the United States by certain administrations. They just don't want you to ask any questions. So, you know, we can now you can imagine all the questions that I, we could ask or should ask and should continue to ask, but they don't like that. You see, and that's what we encountered in Cuba. So Willie Miranda and I, who had both escaped from Cuba, understood to ask why. Ladies and gentlemen, once again, you're listening to the Honorable Senor Luis Martinez. You know, a gentleman, again, that did what he needed to do. Real quick, I remember you told me a story of seeing a rich guy with a wraparound driveway and fancy cars in their driveway, and you said you wanted that. You came to the United States, and that's exactly what you got. Ladies and gentlemen, stick around with your conservative New Yorican because this inspiring American story has more for you. We'll be right back. Give us a call, 585-346-3000. If you're just discovering us with our new, more powerful signal, love to have you on board. And thank you very much for tuning us in on the WYSL stations. and Finger Lakes region, one name stands above all others for real estate appraisal and advice. Ryan Murphy and Associates. This full-service real estate appraisal company can appraise and advise on purchase and sales decisions, mortgage finance feasibility, estate, matrimonial, partnership buyouts, litigation, and more for any type of property, both residential and commercial. Ryan Murphy was founded almost 40 years ago. All of our highly trained staff members have at least 20 years of experience. All our appraisers are either New York state certified general or residential real estate appraisers ryan murphy and associates start here r-y-n-n-e murphy.com the journey that the students go on is a journey of self-discovery they come to learn more about themselves than they've ever learned before because of the oakland door mission recovery program things are going to work themselves out for myself if I work the love and the word of God into my life. Seeing them accomplish their goals, get through each step. And become who they're meant to be is a really beautiful thing. Learn more and give at opendoormission.com. Has your favorite pizza place been letting you down? Try Livingston County Pizza Company and Gluten-Free Bakery in Avon. Not only is their pizza amazing, but their full menu and bakery has something for everyone. Livingston County Pizza Company and Gluten-Free Bakery, Avon. Advertising on the WYSL stations is both affordable and effective, but it's so much more than that. When your business or professional practice has a presence on the voice of liberty, you connect with a patriotic, awake, and aware audience that cares about society, our families, our schools, our values, and our future. And our listeners appreciate you and respond. We can end the madness together. For truth and freedom, the WYSL stations, the voice of liberty. Call 346-3000 to advertise today. Next Steps with Peter Vasquez on the WYSL stations. Welcome back to the Next Step show. Ladies and gentlemen, seek unto conservative New Yorican, Senor Luis Martinez. Um, when you were young, mm-hmm. your parents sent you to the United States and they didn't come with you. Correct. Why? Thank you. Well, thanks for asking that question exactly that way because I was sent legally with a passport, a visa, 
and a host family to receive me when I was 12 years old. So were 15,000 other Cuban children. Why? Because at the time, Castro had won the war and he had instituted this uh, you know, demonic way of uh, – he, he declared himself a communist and he had r- stolen everybody's business. And, and we thought – my parents thought, of course, their generation thought, well, we'll send our kids to the United States and then when this is all over, we'll, we'll bring them back. Okay, well – they sent 15,000 children alone legally with passports to the United States to host families and especially to Catholic institutions that received them. But uh, things did not get any better. And then finally, uh, a lot of the parents went and joined their children in the United States. Some children never saw their parents again for different reasons, like their parents died, their parents were incarcerated, uh, the, the parents got sick and couldn't travel, they were, the, the parents were denied permits to travel. Uh, it's it's interesting that these Soviet bloc countries, be it uh, North Korea, uh, East Germany, and of course the Soviet Union, and Cuba, you're not allowed to leave, you see. Do you know how many people uh, leave the United States every year? We don't know because the U.S. Department of State does not care how many people leave the United States permanently. The only time they find out that somebody has actually left, if that person turns around, that American turns around and, 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 uh, and says that they no longer want to be a U.S. citizen. That's the only way they find out. So we don't know how many people immigrate to, say, France or to Colombia or to Greece. We don't know because we don't care as a nation how many people leave, whereas those countries like Cuba – they want to keep you behind the Berlin Wall, if you think about that. So anyway, back to the, the, the topic that, um, that uh, uh, Peter just asked me about. That program was called the Peter Pan Program. Why Peter Pan? Because if you think about the story of Peter Pan, he was, he, he was um, an orphan. And we were considered political orphans, political in the sense that we were escaping communism. So they called the program El Programa Pedro Pan. And it was a, a program that was, be, that was begun during the Eisenhower administration and um, with a lot of help from the Catholic Church in the United States to welcome those, those uh, Cuban children. For example, in Wilmington, Delaware, there is a, a Catholic high school for boys called Salesianum. And when I was – obviously, I was living in Delaware, and I knew a lot of uh, Salesianums, what they call them, Sally's, Sally's boys, who went to University of Delaware, who were my friends at uh, UD, and they were from Sally's. They had not had been – they had not yet been um, rejoined with their parents. So they were still orphans, if you will, political orphans in Salesianum, and that's their home for years until they, you know, emancipated and, and became adults. But I remember that story from, from way back when I was in high school and college. You know, Luis, I can't, I can't just even imagine dealing with some of the things that people are dealing with in right. Cuba. Now, Puerto Rico, uh, beautiful island, mm-hmm. um, but, but, but high crime. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm just, what do you think? It, it appears to me that when the U.S., especially today's U.S., has an influence in some of these other more conservative mm-hmm. style, you know, more God country mm-hmm. family type of islands, crime rates go up. Why do you, when they bring I, in social programs and I, all those things to I, help? I don't, I don't know what, um, I mean, I don't know. If I if I knew the answer, Peter, I would I would uh, be some, but I would be something. I would be, you know, uh, 
the point is that, for example, Peter's from from Puerto Rico. I don't know if he knows that I worked and lived in Puerto Rico back in the eighties when I was asked to be the. the CEO of Excite Batteries Puerto Rico, and um, I went there to turn the business around, which I did. So, of course, I had a kind of a different lifestyle. I lived in the in the Hilton. My home was the Hilton in San Juan, the Caribe Hilton in San Juan. That was my home. And from there, all I did was work, 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 work. I worked until they turned the business around, and then I came back to Philadelphia at the time. So they begged me to stay there, by the way, because I turned the business around. I speak Spanish, and I got along with everybody, and I got fixed all the problems and everything like that. So they begged me to do that, but I said, no, I'm not, I'm not changing my lifestyle from, from, uh, you know, from Philadelphia to San Juan. And it was just something, you know, a decision a that I made. completely different lifestyle. Yes. Let's shift gears for the last couple of minutes. Um, you do a great presentation that you share throughout the community of various right. venues, right? One of the things you talk about is diversity, equality, inclusion. Mm-hmm. Uh, from your perspective as an immigrant here that yeah. came here legally, yeah. um, that's seen some of the things that, that this DEI is, mm-hmm. is kind of perpetuating. Right. Uh, what, what, what say you on that? What, what do you get? Well, think? it's very simple. DEI is blatantly racist. I'll tell you why. Um, I am. I was an early adopter. Just to give you an example, I was an early adopter of the platform called LinkedIn. I needed it. Uh, this is like 20 years ago. I needed it to do the work I was doing in Xerox. And in those days, LinkedIn did not have photographs. Why? Because photographs and on resumes and so on were considered to be a way to discriminate. You can discriminate against someone if you see their photograph. So therefore, photographs are prohibited in LinkedIn and in many other. So you could not, for example, send in a, your, your uh, resume with a photograph. That was prohibited. Why? Because any kind, any time that any, and it's still true today, it is still true today, the law, the federal law, the state law and municipal law forbids taking into account in any term and conditional employment, including hiring or promotions or, or transfers or anything, it prohibits taking into consideration immutable factors of the individual, namely where they were born, what skin color they have, what melatonin number they have, if you will, um, or, or their gender. It is prohibited. To this day. So anybody that talks to you about – by the way, I'm a professional human resources consultant. I have worked in, in, in my craft for over 40 years. I'm still a consultant. I am unalterably opposed to DEI because it is eminently, blatantly, and brazenly racist. And I will say that to any DEI uh, proponent. I will have a debate and just debate them into extinction because they do not – have the law on their side. What they have is an ideological addiction of racism and reverse to re- to presumably fix what's broken. No, that's not how you fix what's broken. You don't use racism to defeat racism, period. Absolutely not. That, that, that's just an absurd. And I agree with you 100 uh, percent. I think we have about a, another minute or two. Mm-hmm. I want to get your perspective on socialism because you handed me a picture or, or a, mm-hmm. a printout of a picture that shows Cuba before socialism and Cuba after socialism. Ladies and gentlemen, I'll have these on the website when I post this show. Mm-hmm. But it, I mean, you've got civilized commerce and, mm-hmm. and interactions, yep. and then on the other side, it's destruction and death. Right. So there are two mindsets in, in existence, and they have been ever since um, you know Marx and Lenin, and that is the elite sense, the elite ideology that they know what's best for everybody else. That's socialism with a small s, or that's collectivism with a small c. That's communism with a small c. The collectivists, the communists, the socialists, 
They fervently, sincerely, and passionately believe that they, the elite, know what's best for everybody else. Then there are people like me who believe in the, the, the divine, sovereign individual. We were made by God, and we have, a, first and foremost, a relationship with God and obedience to God, not to the state, not to an, elect, not to an elitist, and certainly not to a communist. Ladies and gentlemen, you heard it right here on the Next Step Show. Luis, thank you for your time, sir. I appreciate you and everything you do. Ladies and gentlemen, hey, say it with me. Leadership is the beacon that guides me, for it's through selfless service that I illuminate the way for others to find their own greatness. Hey, be a leader. Share with us. Advertise with us. Que tengan una semana bendecida until Monday. Don't forget, La Voz de Libertad, your conservative New Yorican, y por seguro, all our Cuban-Americans here, te amamos. Me busques, te lo